Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Feeling stuck in your current job? Looking for a career pivot? Are you a proven leader looking to step up? The University of Maryland's Robert H. Smith School of Business prepares students to meet challenges, solve problems, and obtain a profound understanding of how to operate in the modern economy. With MBA and MS programs offering flexible options to fit your lifestyle and goals. GMAT and GRE not required. Learn more today at go.umd.edu slash smithschool. University of Maryland Smith School of Business. Inspired. Fearless. Unstoppable. Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes, and today I am joined by Kevin Graham. Twice in a week, Kev. What on earth is going on? Well, just to let the viewers know that me and you have been sitting here for last night after the thousand episode just sort of abruptly stopped, and yeah. we do not have a clue what actually happened. No. Uh, but uh, I, oh, it's great to be on my Wednesday, Paul. It's like the original team back, and it's, it's good. It's good. It's sunny. Um, Aye, aye. My anxiety levels are triggered a wee bit today, right enough. Um, Lego. Why am I so cool? Why am I so cool about it? No, it's about Lego for me. Why oh, right, I thought you were talking about other things. 
why do Wayne's play with Lego? Le- Lego's not a Wayne's toy. Definitely no. I've, I've made that decision. Your wee man's only a couple of year older than my wee man in, and my wee man got a load of Lego for his birthday, and they just didn't take care of it. And it was really, really annoying me. For some it's reason. annoying when you stand on it. But, I mean, I thought you were talking about other anxieties, of which I have none in relation to tonight, because I'm, I'm just... You know, concentrating on Celtic. And that's what we'll be doing today. I've figured something out. I've never tried it. I'm going to try it live, Kev. So, you know, as with all good uh, live telly, I'm sure it won't work. But I'm going to pull up some um, previous comments that have been made on this show about very important pivotal moments of Celtic's evolution within the five years that Axom have existed. Um, And basically, we're going to be looking at how did you and I react to Brendan Rodgers' departure? How did Kevin Graham react to Neil Lennon's announcement? And how did Axom react to Ange Postacoglu being announced as Celtic manager? That last one might surprise a few naysayers, incidentally, because there is a narrative that Axom didn't trust or rate Ange. Well, I'm pretty sure you might disagree once you've seen the clips that we're going to be playing, Kevin. Uh, As I say, I've never tried this, so... First time for everything. We'll also be chatting. We're doing a Euro retrospective. This is day three. And the season that Kevin has chosen is a slightly better one than the last two because it's 2006-07. Having suffered the 2010-11 season and Simon Donnelly talking about 95-96. Neither of which, Kev, were vintage campaigns. But I think you've got some good memories about those games against PSG back in 95-96. Definitely. PSG was my second European trip. I went on the Tommy Craig Celtic Supporters Club bus from the Anchor Inn in St Ninians and we drove to Paris on the bus. And Old school. It, it was a good couple of, day, a good couple of uh, days in Paris. Uh, and at halftime during that game, the, the legend was that was Roll With It was actually born. And they actually played two songs during that half-time. They played Country House and Rollet and the Celtic support sang both of them. And well, so, that, that's and it's interesting. Only, it's only Rollet that's seemed to have stuck. Yeah. No, it is interesting because it brings back that whole Blur Oasis debate. Kev, I remember we brought that up as a question, didn't we, on uh, an earlier Axon Oasis or Blur. At the time, to be honest with you, I bought both singles. I was a big fan of both bands. Uh, and both of them have uh, lasted the test of time on my turntable stroke CD player stroke um, iPhone. I love both bands. Um, if I was to choose one who were my favourite, I was more invested in Oasis, I've got to say. I was more invested in Oasis, but obviously we're hoping to actually do the Oasis back catalogue and that. And I've been looking back at the 90s for something I'm writing for a gig that I'm doing. And when I'm looking back now, I was more invested in Oasis, but I reckon Blur had the better career. Music-wise. Interesting. Well, yesterday. Album-wise. Well, it is interesting. Um, Over the piece, you're talking about the entire back catalogue. The entire entire back catalogue, We should do a debate on that and stick it up on the channel at some point. But something that will be on the channel, Kev, is a, a really interesting interview with Brian Cannon. Now, Brian Cannon... He designed all the Oasis sleeves, single and album, in the UK, that is, um, in the 1990s. So all the classic, you know, definitely maybe Be Here Now, Morning Glory, Supersonic, whatever. The whole lot were designed by Brian. He also done the designs for the Verve and Verve before they added the The 
which was an interesting um, case. It was a court case, actually, because there was an American company, not a band, an American company called Verve. And so uh, the band changed it to The Verve. And we reckon that Brian Cannon's artwork, um, 70 million or more items of Brian Cannon's artwork, virtue of being on those LP and single front covers, exist. They're out there in existence. Incredible. We interviewed them at King Tut's. It'll be on the channel next week. Interesting aside to the Verve thing, the Verve were just going to drop the E to start off Yeah, yeah. They were going to drop an E for America was the way it was headlined. Did Uh, I not send you that off an old NME recently? I think you did. I think Aye. that's maybe how it's jogged back into my memory. But Probably. That would, that would have been a good headline, if nothing else. But anyway, we're not going to just talk about the music. Let's bring up the first clip. As I say, ladies and gentlemen, bear with me. I've never actually done this. Um, and hopefully it will work. So we're going to bring up an old clip from A Celtic State of Mind. And we're going to see how badly or how well this has actually aged. So, first and foremost, let's hope it works. Um, and you know what? There's no guarantee that I'm, uh, I've am i chosen the correct clip because they both look exactly the same because this is when we were an audio podcast, Kev. So, this is going to be interesting. But let's have a listen to it. In fact, I can confirm. This is our reaction to Brendan Rodgers leaving Celtic. At what point this week did you become aware that Brennan Rogers had decided to walk out of what he had called his dream job? I was probably late to to this picture. It was probably Tuesday morning. It was Tuesday morning when my alarm went off for me to go to work. And there was a few text messages and WhatsApp groups saying the rumour was that he was gone. I'd missed it all on Monday night. It became clear quite quickly that he was gone, and he was away by Tuesday morning. To say I was disappointed was a was an understatement. But shocked, I walked into my work, and the two Rangers fans who sat across from me, they had Rangers winning the league because Brendan had left. My phone was going mental all day, and nothing was very nice. What was getting said about Brendan? Nothing was very nice. What was getting said about Brendan? Was that from you or from your two work colleagues? Uh, probably from me, my my two work colleagues who they're in Spain for some reason this weekend left me a pile of rubbish today at my work, strangely enough. Um, aye, they, they were over the moon. They thought they were actually going to win the league. Uh, probably turned out that Brendan Rodgers leaving was a turning point of them actually end of Rangers actually winning the league it was probably a sign of the decline to actually come um, I, I'm not too disappointed now, I understand when Brendan Rodgers done it, I didn't like the timing of it, I'm still no if he would have left that season would have says and he would have went like that, look I've done everything I can here I'm not getting back to take you anywhere in Europe we would have been fully on, him, on his side but the way that he walked out that February and I won't, uh, the way that he walked out that February still rankles, but hey, we've moved on. We've got Ange Postacoglu now. We're looking forward to going directly into the, the, the Champions League next year. We're looking forward to what Ange Postacoglu can do. And you, you look at uh, you look at Rogers. I think he's proved himself to be a decent football coach down in England as well with Leicester and FA Cup win, um, a semi final of a European competition as well. 
Um, so, aye, it's my, my, my feelings probably haven't really changed since that night. Don't like the timing, but I, I, I'm, I'm, there's no bitterness anymore from me towards Brendan. Well, the thing is with this, and I might pull up some other um, previous clips, etc., because it is always interesting, Kev, to look at the reaction at the time. I don't think there was an overreaction, to be honest with you. We, that particular um, show was called 48 Hours That Shook Celtic. Uh, the reason we're doing it is because this is a prelude, really, to what then happened, you know, the nine in a row, going for the ten, Neil Lennon and then Ange, and we'll bring in the Ange reaction as well. Like I say, from our um, much-missed today, Brian Degnan, who was on a show very early doors with us too, and he spoke about Ange, but we'll bring that in in a, wee, in a wee bit. I think it's interesting, Kev, that you have softened a wee bit around the Brendan Rodgers um, situation. Do you think, like many things, Ange has assisted in that? Because a, a lot of Celtic fans, even until recently, you know, they couldn't, speak about Brennan Rodgers without calling him a rat or a snake and you know time is a great healer of course but the fact that we've got a great manager and a great football team at this moment in time it puts all that to the back of your mind doesn't it? It does put it all back to the mind but you've also got to realise that these guys any person makes a decision and you can't control that decision and what happened next was the wrong decision for the football club and that wasn't the Brendan Rodgers' fault the fact that we ended up losing the 10 wasn't Brendan Rodgers' fault. It was the people who made the decisions after him. It was their fault. Brendan made the decision which was best for uh, which was best for Brendan Rodgers. And we can't really argue with that. But we can't also just forget the invincible treble season, mm-hmm. the, the way that team was built. Uh, you, can't, you can't forget like the seven trophies that he won. The fact that we went, I can't remember how many games that we went unbeaten. You can't just forget that because... It was in the 60s, wasn't it? Aye, you just can't forget that just because he decided to be a modern football manager and up sticks and move to a bigger, brighter, shinier league. Mm-hmm. And it's... No, I've, I, I didn't like being stubborn with people. I, I didn't like still having like grudges over something I had no control over. And I had no control over Brendan Rodgers leaving. That's his decision. He's got to live with that decision. I'm just thankful that we had Brendan Rodgers. That invincible season, especially with uh, Tam leaving now. We're never going to get that back. <laughs> and he was, a, Brendan Rodgers was a major part of that day. So, aye, he's fine with me. He's cool with me. I would, I would have a cup of he will, definitely. Would you, would you have him on a Celtic State of Mind definitely. Uh, for an interview? Uh, definitely. The, the big thing for me, and I remember having watched most of that episode this morning to try and pick out a few quotes that we could discuss before moving on to other things. Um, I remember at that time, we both said, Kevin, that what he has implemented at the club that wasn't there under Ronnie Dyla has to remain. And we, we were very vocal about that, Kev. We were like, listen... We'd much rather Brennan Rodgers stayed, but he's away. And what we need to do is we need to ensure that everything good that he's done at the football club uh, in terms of the structure and the infrastructure and, and uh, the sports science and all these things, the culture that he had created at Celtic, we wanted that to remain. And that was one of our big concerns uh, when you listen through that whole episode was that it may go back to norm. Um, because obviously we were bringing in a manager who had already been at the club and who had a completely different culture first time round. And we did speak about that being a concern. I don't think that we saw it as football fans in that first season. I think uh, 
you know, it started creeping in afterwards. And uh, obviously, we'll also look at uh, what we were saying about Neil Lennon. So, you up for another wee clip? Definitely. Good thing about this, Kev, is that, again, we were reacting, but I don't think we were overreacting. So, let's bring up the next clip. It's almost cult-like. The, the, there is a cult of Neil Lennon, I, I, and I don't mean that in a bad way. The, 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 there are Celtic fans out there who, you, you've just seen it over the last couple of days, how he represents us. He represents us like Tommy did. He represents us like Martin O'Neill does. It's, he's got that aura about him, and it doesn't matter what he does. Well, unless we lose league titles. He's always going to be remembered fondly by the Celtic support. He's always going to be revered by the Celtic support. So, him coming back in, he's a perfect man to steady what had been turbulent waters to sail the ship towards the, the finishing line. Very interesting words. He'll always be revered as long as he doesn't lose titles. <laughs> now, Kev, <laughs> I think you were pretty spot on. <laughs> and, and you were also talking there about he's a perfect fit to steady the ship. Listen, let's not rewrite history. He was. He was. At that point, to get us over the line after Brennan Rogers left, Neil Lennon was a perfect fit. History tells us that he was. He was. And I think I go on to actually say that in that episode, that in no way should he be considered for the job longer and towards the end of the season because the club had moved on. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean... Rogers probably left because there was a bit of, there was a class of eagles in the back. That's the rumour going about. There was a class of eagles in the back. There was interference by a certain CEO uh, who's now left the club also. And I was really, really, I was really, really glad that Neil Lennon was about at that point to actually be able to come in and steady that shit. And he he he'd done it. He did do it. And. There is, I've always, and I've said this plenty of times on this podcast, Paul, that there is a book to be written about that four months he was in charge there. <laughs> There's definitely, and we should always be thankful and grateful that Neil Lennon stepped in at that point. And as we should have said goodbye to him when he won, when Edward won the Scottish Cup. That should have been his swan song. That should have been it. But once again, I'll go back to bad decisions, Ben. Um, we talk about maybe laziness and interference. The club re regressed at that point when they, when they appointed Neil permanently for the second time. And, I, I, and I'm on record as saying that at the actual time as well. And I can't change that decision. But what actually happened, it was even a, it was even a bigger, like... I think I called it during the season that the Fiat Punto was on fire and the Fiat Punto burnt out very, very quickly during the, during the, the season when we lost the league. Mm. And I, I do... I, have I got any sympathy for Neil Lennon? It's football. It is football, but I'll fully back up what I'll actually what I actually says in that clip is give it time and he'll be more than welcome back within the Celtic support for what he actually achieved as a player and the, some of the nights and the trophies that he gave us as a manager. But again, that's just going to take time. Yeah, it will take time. And and the thing is, Kev, I don't think your comments have aged badly. You said during that episode that, um, that you didn't want him on a permanent basis. You went on to say no. that. Uh, and it was interesting because we're talking about 
all sorts of managers at that at that stage um, coming to Celtic, potentially coming to Celtic. And in the next clip, when Brian speaks about the imminent arrival of Ange Postacoglu, um, there are still other manage, managerial candidates. There are still names um, hanging about, and we do discuss them. But you spoke about that period of time that Neil Lennon came back in as a manager and saw us over the line. And you said, I remember, um, that a book in crisis management could be written about that last four, four months of the season. I don't think you're far wrong. Um, some comments coming in, 70 million items. What? That's crazy. Exactly. And you know, 22 million of them is the Morning Glory album. <clears throat> so if you imagine every cassette and CD and LP that's ever been released, um, and that's not even taking into account T-shirts and merch and posters and all that kind of stuff. So this guy's artwork, we estimate, and we spoke about it yesterday, um, has been reproduced and purchased in some format, Kev, 70 million plus times. It's astonishing. And it's astonishing as well because he's on the morning, he's on the morning glory cover as well. So he's in 22 million households. Oh, dearie me, that's, that's that is bizarre. Well, I've I, I done my fanboy bit at the end, Kev, because when you tread those King Tut's, um, you know, stages, etc., you go up the steps, you've got, to, you've got to bring yourself back down and be a fanboy. And I brought my LPs out that I got Bonehead to sign all those years ago. I got Brian Cannon to sign them as well. And hopefully we'll get Liam and Noel and uh, Gwigsy and Tony on them someday. Michael McDonald, Blood won a battle, Oasis won the war. I think you're right. And uh, we also have Alex Burrell, no contest, Oasis. I think it was a very good contest. I preferred Oasis live, Kev. I think uh, I think there is a point. I Oasis for a period were an absolutely phenomenal live band, but then you're talking about early Oasis there, and this is a completely different podcast. But by the time they get to 2000, when there's only the two brothers there, then they're a bit, bit of a circus act at this point. Eh? It's a parody act by that point. See, the interesting thing, and this all comes out in the interview, and I'm not going to spoil it because I know there's a lot of good uh, Celtic fans out there who also enjoy the, the music content we put out on a state of mind. Um, he talks about this. Brian Cannon talks about this because everything changed after the 1990s. It wasn't just the artwork. The band changed because Bonehead and Gwigsy leave. The the whole structure of the, the makeup behind the scenes was all changing as well. And I think it shows. And, you know, you start looking at the, the first album that isn't an exclusive Noel Gallagher penned album. Well, that's the first album of the 2000s. Everything changed at that point, Kev. The whole makeup, the whole dynamic, the look, everything. You see it. You see it in the the, the documentaries, the Redbird documentary and the Supersonic do- documentary. Uh, basically, Bonehead says that wasn't any fun anymore when they got to that size. After be here now, it wasn't any fun. <laughs> so now, uh, John, a wee message for John. Yeah. We have been speaking about music for about 75 seconds, mate. So let's get back to the Celtic. And uh, remember and subscribe, John, for far more music content on our Celtic State of Mind's channel, A State of Mind. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Um, and the final, the final clip that I want to play, Kevin, this is an interesting one, right? I hope I didn't delete it. Um, this, is, <laughs> this is us probably the day before or two days before Ange Postacoglu is actually announced as a Celtic manager. And it's yourself, me, and Brian Degnan who are on the show. And it's the first time Brian's been on to actually talk about Ange since his name 
came into the frame because remember Angie's name came in late in the day Kev we all know the, the Eddie Howe saga um, that ensued this is a very interesting take because I've heard a lot of people saying that Axom as a whole were very negative, negative towards Angie and I don't think that was the case I think there was a couple of contributors who were not convinced with Angie Postacoglu one of whom's nothing to do with Axom anymore but I think as a as a whole we were pretty balanced, and when we watch this next clip, uh, Brian certainly appears to be Nostradamus. You haven't been on. What's your thoughts about Ange Postacoglu? Um, I'm quite excited, actually. I think um, I think I've just kind of I don't have beat myself into the idea of being excited by him, and I'm sort of accepting the reality of what we're, we're involved in. Um, I had a discussion last night with a guy on Twitter, and he was talking about how. And I says, well, on paper, we've got a guy who's an international manager who's successful at an international level, who, by all accounts, plays really good football. He's been successful in both domestic leagues he's been involved in. He's got a reputation for rebuilding and revitalising squads. On the other hand, you had Eddie Howe, who had been at a club not really under any pressure, not particularly big fan base, got a couple of promotions and then get relegated. So actually, if you look at the optics slightly differently, I think um, Anger, as Jim Law says, Eng, is actually quite a, an exciting uh, prospect to come in. And I actually think that it's going to give something different, a new dynamic. And when you consider how much we're so keen to erase last season from history, so let's just go all in. You know, completely different manager we've never heard of. Hopefully, a new style of football. Start from scratch, new CEO, and go from there. So, so I am actually really excited, Kev. Wow, that's all I can say to that, Kev. How right was Brian Degnan? Brian was absolutely spot on. <laughs> um, uh, look, I'm not going to shy away from it. I had the doubts, but that, but but that was more down to my lack of knowledge of any football outside Europe. No, no, that was it. That was what my doubts were. But Brian, obviously, is a lot more sensible chap than me. Um, he knew he, he knew his, he knew his eggs. He knew how to actually look at things rationally, and just. Ah, you got it spot on. He did get it spot on. I did agree with him. I think he actually went on to say as long as we were competing by the time that we got to the end of the January, we got into the second half of the season, he would be he would, he would be happy. Um, and ah, he was spot on. I mean, that's, 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 that's with hindsight, having a look back on that comment, that's just rational thinking. That is just completely rational thinking, which is something I, I am incapable of at times of emotional turmoil. Well, it's emotional, and that's what it—that's what it is. The emotions get in the way of the rational thought process, Kev. And somehow, Brian and others were able to look at it for what it was and give us something that all these months later we're looking back on, thinking, "Wow, you were spot on." Um, I mean, fair play to you. The ninth of June, twenty twenty-one, Brian Degnan called it. He absolutely called it. Robert Lowe, wonder if Brian knows a lot of numbers. Well, we'll, we'll ask him. Roddy, not quite sure. Not quite sure what you mean. Why did I silence you, Kev? I couldn't silence Kev. I've tried. When you criticise the Celtic board and Pravda. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. 
But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. I know, what he's on. I know what he's on about. It was the day I overreacted after the first uh, Rangers defeat when I was in a COVID complete and utter isolation meltdown and I asked to be removed when I came on because I didn't like the reaction to the result. And, the I, laughed is, Kev, about, and I laughed about it 10 minutes later when I came back on. Of course you on. did. When you nah. came back on, that that's the bit that you that you forget. You weren't kicked off. The way this actually works, Kevin and I both have uh, access to this system. We can both stream, and Kev right now, which will be proven, can kick me off the stream. He could just go like that. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home Internet. Cox is the real home Internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct-to-Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Well, I, I can click myself back in. So Kev has the access and he's sitting in the back. Um, and he comes back in and we laugh about it. So, Roddy, we've just won the league, mate. Right, now Kev is on, my OCD's playing up. You're on the, the left-hand side. That's brilliant. Do you want me to put No, let's not. You're just going to puzzle things now. There yeah, we there go. You go. I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> and we've just to talk about the Celtic. Absolutely. We love Celtic. But we also love other uh, forms of culture. And we love uh, music and film and, and fashion, believe it or not. Um, and all of that content, is on our channel. So get subscribing on there. We are going to be going live at 12.30 every single day, Kevin Graham, on a Celtic State of Minds bulletin. That gives you your daily uh, intake of what's happened in the last 24 hours. But obviously, now that we've entered pre-season, there's going to be fewer, I would suggest, uh, talking points. Therefore, we're going to be talking about other things. We're going to be having a real look back at some of the absolute howlers from a Celtic State of Mind and some of the great takes like we just heard from Brian. But we're also going to be running through the European exploits of our club over the last 30 seasons, because I think we've got about 30 episodes before we get back into competitive football, Kevin. And by the way, in the last 30 years, we didn't always qualify for Europe. There's going to be some seasons that we're going to have to skip. So we started off with Simon Donnelly. We spoke about 95-96. Kev was at the game um, against PSG. And just to go back to your man who doesn't want to talk about football, there was something about that game, uh, the part de France where 
we sang Roll With It and it stuck with us, Kev, and eventually we sing it, uh, you know, in the 6-2 game famously with Noel Gallagher in the crowd and we, we sang it this season. Um, so there are always links between football, music, politics, fashion, terrorist culture that we are going to be tapping into because, you know, it's all part and parcel of being a football fan. Uh, but this... This European uh, campaign that we're going to be talking about has been chosen by Kev, and Kev's going to be uh, leading on this. So, Kevin, tell us which campaign have you chosen? Definitely. When you when you put this to me last night, I say as well after the the utter chaotic one that we that unfortunately Natasha Paddy and Lawrence had to try and make twenty five minutes out of yesterday. So I think I'll, I think I'll go for a good one. And it's one of the seasons where we went straight into the Champions League after winning the league. And it was Gordon Stratton's first crack at the Champions League, which was 2006 and 2007. Now, I, I didn't care about yourself, Paul, eh? but eh, on Saturday, I, I mean, on Saturday when they actually played the Champions League theme tune, when the team came back up, to to uh, pick up the league to pick up the league trophy, I actually got a bit of post traumatic stress because being in the Champions League has they been that enjoyable for us over the last decade or so, and uh, it's it's one of one of these things. It's great getting to the Champions League. We enjoy the process of getting into that Champions League, but sometimes when you actually get there, you're like, oh, what, what are we actually doing here? We can't compete. So. Aye, this is one of these. This is one of these games where this is one of these seasons where we did enjoy it. Uh, we were drawn in a group with Manchester United, Copenhagen, and as usual Benfica, because we always seem to get Benfica in a Champions League group stage, and we didn't need to qualify. We got straight in. We got straight in that season. So our first game that season in the Champions League was against Manchester United at Old Trafford, where we played in. For me, one of our greatest ever away tops, Paul. You're the Jersey man. What did you think of that away top? I am the Jersey man. You're spot on. And I think that um, we've been talking about jerseys over the last wee while because we're in that period of the season where that's a big thing. And um, I do go a wee bit anorak when it comes to Celtic jerseys. And I can give you a wee bit of info on this one, actually. This this is it's a, a revisioning um, of an old Celtic jersey that was rarely worn. And what I found out and what is going to be in the forthcoming book um, when that comes out in October is that it was 1972, I think, and the Celtic View ran a competition, Kev. They ran a competition so that uh, Celtic fans could send in their designs, right? And the picture, it was like a, a picture of George Conley and it was a blank football jersey. And you were to get your felt tips out and draw the picture and send it in. And the guy who won the competition, um, who's a massive Celtic fan, to this day, Gordon Cowan. Okay? Uh, follow Gordon on Twitter. And he designed a black and green vertical striped jersey. Nothing else on it. No crest, of course. No umbro. Um, the exact same kit was worn by Coventry City, but there was an umbro logo, Kev. Celtic hadn't adopted the umbro logo yet. So the, the jersey was made, manufactured by umbro. And there's a few really good images kicking about. I, myself... Uh, picked up an image from Huey Burt, the late Huey Burt, who was a Celtic photographer at that time. And there's a great picture of 
Bobby Murdoch kneeling down at Celtic Park wearing the full kit. He looks brilliant. Bobby looks absolutely brilliant in the kit. Um, and Huey was telling me that Jockstein wasn't a big fan of the strip. Um, in private, Jockstein told Huey about that. But the quote, of course, in the Celtic view is that Jockstein handpicked that design. Kevin loved that design. So that is why against Manchester United in that memorable game, uh, we are actually wearing a green and black vertical, vertical rather striped jersey. It's a it's a throwback to the nineteen seventies jersey that we wore. I think uh, one of the games that we wore it in was against Preston in a friendly, and Bobby Charlton was playing for Preston. Um, that's one of the one of only four jerseys since nineteen thirty eight that I couldn't get my hands on. Match one, I'm talking match one jerseys. Aye, not not the Man United one, the nineteen seventies one. The 1971. JK, Paul, I always wanted a remake of the 2007 Vertical Green and Black. If anybody from Adidas is watching, please take that on board because I would like a remake of that as well. But didn't he make a mess of it? Like you've oh. made a mess of the, 1990, the 1992 away top for next season as well. That game, Old Trafford, I remember this game. I was in Dublin uh, with, with, with my wife. And we were in the Temple Bar area. I know there's going to be guys in the chat going, what you did to Dublin and going to the Temple Bar area? You're absolute idiot. Um, we were only Celtic fans watching that game. Everybody else is supporting Man United. But in the corner of the pub, there was a group of PSG fans who were travelling to Derry to watch PSG against Derry the following night. And what would have been... the had it been the, the UEFA Cup or the Cup Winners' Cup? Can I remember? And they decided to support Celtic with us as well. So there's another B link to PSG. Um, and Celtic goal scorers that night, Venegura, Hesselink and Nakamura. Now, what I'm going to say is I thought Big Yakamakis' header last Thursday night at Tanadice was very Venegura of Hesselink like. Yeah, yeah, it was Venegura Hesselink esque. And, uh, you know, instantly it brings back memories of the, the header at Tannadice where we clinched the title for Tommy. Um, but you're right, he did have that style about him. Yeah, You know, when we're talking about these games, Kev, I would have loved to have said I was at this game, but I wasn't. I can't actually tell you where I was, though. I, I know where I was, but I'm not allowed to say, um, which is a wee bit cryptic, but you can read into that what you will. But I definitely watched the game. Um, I wasn't at it. And I'm thinking to myself, I, I actually couldn't be at it it wouldn't have been possible for me to be at I wasn't jailed, by the way, for anybody who thinks I was doing uh, porridge. I wasn't jailed, but I couldn't get to the game. It was impossible. And uh, it makes me start thinking about when it became a thing. You were talking about your first European trip there. When I was allowed to uh, you know, go to an away game, maybe down south, for example, when I wasn't with my old man. And I remember it well, because you've written about it. It was the Ian Rush testimonial. That was the first opportunity um, that I had to go to uh, an away game down south and I missed the bus. I was meant to be going with a, a guy called Charlie Hutton from High Valley Field and I missed my opportunity to go to my first away day uh, as a kid outside of Scotland. So I always think back to that. Um, and we wore a black and green kit that night as well against Liverpool. They cuffed us 6-0. But um, I always, you know, when I think back, just recently somebody was in a studio and, and they asked me, did Nakamura score two free kicks against Man United? You know, yes, because, he did. yeah, exactly. And it's, it's difficult to um, establish which one was the finest. Um, but again, you can differentiate them um, in any case because of the jerseys we were wearing uh, during both games. 
Uh, definitely, it was a cracking free kick because there's a famous Alex Ferguson quote, Paul, after Saha was beat with the, the second one that made us qualify for the groups for the last 16. He says, he bet you once, have you know, learned, did you know learn your lesson that he was going to do it again? And it seemed like Alex Ferguson uh, said that to him. That night, we, that Old Trafford, we took, we took the lead in the 21st minute. Saha, I think it was Ryan Giggs dived for a penalty kick. It was a dive, aye. 100%. Ryan Giggs dived for a penalty kick. Saha scored it. He, he, he put Man United 2-1 up just at half time. No, just in the 40th minute, Nakamura equalised to make it two each. Three minutes later, then Olgunny Solskjaer scored two minutes after half time to complete the scoring of that evening. It's another, it's another one of those might have, should have, could have been that night, eh? eh? But we seem all the goals were all very close together, eh? So it seemed like both team. I kind of get the impression. See, when you look at the, the, the minutes of the goal scoring, that Man mm. United could have been up a gear at any point. If we if we'd have if we would have equalised to make it three each, I wouldn't have surprised me if Man United went up a gear and actually would have made it four three. Just having a look at the timings of the goals. Yeah, the the, the big thing from uh, my perspective, looking at this, is the importance of a top class goalkeeper uh, to Celtic, and I think that's relevant this season with Joe Hart coming in, because a lot of people will look at the Celtic side. You can read through it, um, and there's certain players in there that you think. Wow, don't fancy him. I mean, look at your defence. Wilson, Caldwell, McManus and, and Naylor, right? So th- there's your defence. And I think the massive the massive key to that is Boric at the back. And he was outstanding in this particular game, Kev, you'll remember. He was outstanding. Uh, and I think that it's key to the success of any team. Um, you know, if anybody ever asks me about Tommy Burns and his time at Celtic, I always say the reason we never won the leagues because at, at no time did Tommy have a decent goalie. And, and I stand by that, by the way. I, I never thought we had a top-class goalkeeper under Tommy Burns. And, you know, there could maybe be an argument to say that Martin O'Neill suffered a wee was, bit from that as well. I was just about to say that as well. There's an argument that Tommy and Martin never had a top-class goalkeeper. Top-class goalie. And, you know, it was, although um, Jockstein had some tremendous goalkeepers this time, it was known to be an Achilles heel of Jockstein as well, who I think signed 12 goalkeepers in the time that he was, maybe more. Um, his last signing was, was Pat Bonner uh, at Celtic. He was always signing goalies. Uh, and I just think I would make that point that it was so important to that Gordon Strachan inside um, to have that goalkeeper at the back. But also, um, someone asked recently about the signing policy and, and should we sign a marquee player in the summer? And I think that the performance in this particular game of a marquee signing in Tommy Gravison shows that it doesn't always work, Kev, to no. bring in a player because they've got the profile, they've got the CV. Gravison, came, Gravison didn't do his job that night. And I think that Strachan's maybe spoken about it since. Um, and what Ange's done, because let's pull it right into the, the current day, Ange's, I don't think he's interested in the profile of a player. I really don't. No. Um, does that player fit the system? Do, you know, and, he, and he's looking at the data as part of that. And what I also love is, is he the right character and personality for my dressing room? Um, and I know that there have been players in the past with undoubted talent who haven't been Kev. So he's looking for that perfect mix. So when I look at that Celtic side there, and I know that we'll talk about the return game at Celtic Park. I still call it a return game, even though it wasn't two legs. Um that Celtic side, you could run through it and there are players in the side who individually you would replace, Kev, with better players. But as a team, it worked. 
I'll, I'll get to that when we go to the, the last 16. I want to read the team that played in the San Siro that night because even when I looked at it back, like just before we came on, I was like, that, wow, <laughs> that is a there's a lot of question marks over that side. Second game was a home game against Copenhagen and Kenny Muller scores a penalty and we won one nothing. Then we play Benfica and this is a this is a great performance against Benfica. We absolutely wall up Benfica 3 nothing at home. And once again Kenny Muller scores two goals in the 56 and the 66 minute and Stephen Pearson scores an, an injury time one to make it to make it uh, three nothing to, to make it three nothing to Celtic. That was a fantastic performance that night at Celtic Park. It's, it's one of those I always reckon when you get a, a, a side for Portugal, Paul, that you could cuff them at home because sometimes they don't. The old football cliche: Portuguese sides never seem to travel well. Well, I, I just think back. I mean, I'm looking at the pictures as I always do on the Celtic wiki. The absolutely unbelievable Celtic wiki, which has been a reference point um, since I found it many, many moons ago. Uh, and there's little things you forget about games, such as Billy McNeil and Eusebio coming on the park before the game. Um, and that is, of course, a throwback to the 1970 campaign, Kev, where Celtic defeated Benfica, having um, been beaten three nothing at Celtic Park. Benfica beat us three nothing away. Mm-hmm. Like, so the point that you've just made there is spot on. You can you can destroy them at home, and and Aye. it was a two leg affair back then. And we go away, and and Benfica beat us three nothing away, and we win the game on the toss of a coin. That it's, was, still, that was... it's still that feeling uh, that the year that they spoke about yesterday. We got Braga in mm-hmm. the back of your mind. You've got Braga. If you get a decent result at home and manage to survive the onslaught away from home, you can go through. Because the Portuguese sides, I always see it as 50-50. I, I'm, I'm not as nervous against a Portuguese side as, as I'm all against a Spanish side. Uh, it's, it's just something I don't think Portuguese sides actually travel well. And maybe I'll get proved utterly wrongly in that. As you likely say, we went we, we, we went to like the Stadium of Light after that. Gary Caldwell scores an OG after, OG after 10 minutes. We're two nothing doing after twenty two, and the game's finished with seventy six as they go three nothing up, and that's it. But that was typical Celtic away, away from home at Europe. Mm-hmm. We've then we've then got that night on the twenty first of November two thousand and six in Nakamura's free kick, and everybody remembers Nakamura's free kick, but you have to you have to go back to, for me, the cheer when Arthur Boric saved the penalty kick for Louis mm-hmm. Saha. Mm-hmm. will always stay with me. What will also always stay with me is this, Paul. <laughs> Nobody realised we had qualified because mm-hmm. we were walking out the ground. Yep. And I think there's even an interview with Gordon Strachan when the interviewer actually tells him, by the way, you've qualified, you went, have we? And I, I remember walking out the ground, we've qualified, we've qualified with, with nine points. and But everybody was just over the moon at celebrating actually beating uh, Man United. Yeah, and then the the last the last game becomes a dead rubber at that point. But again, we're talking about uh, f- football kits earlier on. Um, I was just glad actually in this game that that Man U didn't wear their blue kit because they've done Get that it. quite a few times under under Fergie. Um, I remember actually a game. There's quite a few proper Celtic heads in the in the chat here who might be able to give me more details. We played a game. I'm going to say it was a 25th anniversary game against Man U. Um, you know, for the European Cup win, and we play Man United, and, and it was the blue. Remember that, that blue, like blue and black right. thing? Yep. 
Aye. Aye. And I always wondered why are you wearing your blue kit? And then it dawned on me that's because Man U wore the blue kit in the European Cup final in 68. Um, and maybe that's the go-to reason. But when, when teams... And I guess it's the same when Celtic travel. Fans want to see that green and white hoops. You know, that's what they want to see. And I think when you, you watch Man U, I'd much rather see them playing in red. Um, but I'm, I'm looking at... Uh, the footage from that game and, and some of the stats from the game as well. And you're right. I mean, Boric um, was... He's up there with one of the best goalkeepers I've ever seen um, at Celtic, Kev. I've got to say that. And the fact that he was a cult player um, who was a bit of a, a loose cannon, I think, at times from what we've heard, uh, that kind of adds a wee bit for me uh, because we always, you know, we always kind of gravitate towards the culty behaviour. Um, but again, I, I think you're going to bring this up. But the team itself, what a result! But there's players in that team that you that you would replace. There's there's players from Angie's team that would get into that Celtic side, undoubtedly. Definitely, I'm going to bring up Stephen Ken. I can Stephen's done this. I can Stephen's done this like tongue in cheek. Portuguese didn't travel well, Kev. Look at the European troll, <laughs> yeah, bam. Right, I know what you mean, Steve. But I'm just talking about in my mind when we draw a Portuguese team. I still have it in my mind that they do not travel well, even though they've got European trophies coming coming out left, right, and centre. And I'll back that up by somebody in the comments. They'll says you've got sport in Lisbon. We absolutely hammered them at home. And I, and I, and I think your record against Portuguese sides uh, over the years would be pretty good if somebody would want to go go and ha- have a, a look at that. We went to Copenhagen, we got beat 3-1, but we'd already qualified by that time, Paul eh? But Yeri Jarasic scored for Celtic in Copenhagen that night. I think he's another marquee signing that missed the market. He definitely did, because when you look at where he came from, um, I don't know what the situation was wage-wise back then. We always talk about the fact that Strachan comes in, Kev, and we've got to cut the wage bill, and he did. I mean, you're talking about the you know, the game against Benfica. Alan Thompson sitting on the bench, he's on his way out. Neil Lennon's still playing, Chris Sutton's away. He started slashing the, the wage bill. But then when we're playing, you know, signing guys like Jiri Jaravic from Chelsea, I mean, you've got to ask yourself, what kind of wages is he on? Um, He would have been on big wages. He he had a profile. He had performed in the Champions League previously. Um, And he had a few moments, Kev, but that was it. You know, if if you were to say a hit or a miss, I don't know. I don't know where you would stand if you were to say he was a hit or a miss overall. I I think he was a miss. I think, like, as you say, we signed him for Chelsea. He He was a big player in the English Premiership at the time. I think he was a miss. I really do. And I don't know if maybe this is down the fact of Graverson and Yarasic didn't quite work as maybe doing to Stratton. Maybe. I'm just, well, I'm, 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 just, I'm just putting that out there that it might have been doing to Stratton in the way that he played football. Aye, definitely. And there's, there's others as well, though. I mean, I remember on uh, bringing in Massimo Donati, who had undoubted talent, Kev, and I think we've seen a wee bit of that just before he left under Mowbray. And for some reason, Strachan took a disliking to him. We don't know what goes on behind the scenes, of course. Uh, but he was a player. He was a he was an undoubted talent, but he never ever showed it for Celtic. And, and a lot of people might say, well, it's down to the player. Because I'm going to use Riordan as an example. And I remember when um, Stephen McManus, who was obviously the captain at the time, got asked the question at a press conference about uh, Riordan not getting enough chances. And I think he'd maybe left by then. And he says, no, he got a chance every single day. They have chance every single day regarding Strachan. And there's players out there who don't take their chances. So we don't know what happens behind the scenes. But yeah, 
disappointed really in the, in the Celtic careers of Jarisic and, and Gravison for sure. Um, and again, it doesn't always work this way, you know. But uh, marquee signings, my argument would be just about everybody in the first two seasons that that O'Neill signed was marquee. Just about every player. Uh, I know that you know. I mean, when when John Hartson signed, I'm looking at him as a as a marquee signing, and he signs on the same day as Mo Salah and Steve Guppy. Um, <laughs> but Guppy was coming from the English Premiership, so he'd have been on a good wedge as well. So that that was it. We we were uh, playing Manchester United in a testimonial that day. The, the day the signings got announced, and I'm sure it was maybe Giggs's testimonial. Right. Okay. I'm, I'm trying. Sure, to, we've played I'm so sure many of them against Manu. Aye. I'm sure it maybe was Ryan Giggs' testimonial. Roddy McDonald, whatever happened to Ryan Giggs? Do you remember a game when Ryan Giggs scored the equaliser against us at Celtic Park in 2008? We drew one each. I do. Um, I forgot about this game. I'm trying to think who opened the scoring for Celtic. It'll come to me. Um, But yeah, I do remember that game. I do remember uh, Giggs. I I remember him more... uh, for diving for the for the penalty in the game that you mentioned earlier, Aye. Kev, Aye. and and as a player, I remember him wearing a Celtic jersey alongside Lee Sharp and Eric Cantona after I think it was Mark Hughes' testimonial. There's the Mark Hughes claxon for anybody that's uh, counting down forty seven minutes. Yes, um, as a player, if you can separate the player from the man, unbelievable talent. But let's not talk about him as a man. No, not not at all. Uh, we get AC Milan in the last sixteen, Paul. Mm. And the reason that I want to maybe focus on this game is because the mobile phone companies say they offer home internet, but if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know it's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. Milan City Council or whatever they are have decided in their ultimate wisdom to actually knock down the San Siro. Can I just interject very, very quickly, right? Because um, the Milan City Council, right? It almost sounds like the Falkirk City Council, but you just know the Milan City Council are going to look better, eh? I remember going to, I remember going to Milan for the first time and just like looking about and like the cops are walking about, Kevin. I'm thinking back, I'm going, I don't see many cops looking like that in Fife. Male and female just looked absolutely stunning, glowing. Um, but one final thing before we move on to the Milan game. Isn't that the Benfica game that Jota got his Celtic scarf, the away tie? I think that would have been a later one. Because I'm I, looking I, at his date of birth. Born 99? Uh-huh. Maybe? Maybe. I thought, did we not play them a couple of years later? We did, aye. Big, big, big Samara scored, I think it would have been that game. Perhaps, perhaps. I, I, I think it would have been a, I think it would have been a later game. I think we got beat three nothing that night as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that seemed to be a standard result against Benfica in Europe was three nothing. But I think it's a later one. I, yeah. I do think it's a later one. Possibly because that would have only made them what seven. Aye. This season, right? There you go. I, I think there's maybe a, a photo kicking about. We could maybe find out more. But yeah, uh, Jota was certainly a later game. Sorry, back to Milan. So we go to, go to Milan and a massive Celtic support that night. Nothing each in the first leg, and we take them into extra time. 
We got a clear penalty kick note back that night. Yuri Yarasik fired in a shot and Maldini handled the ball. Uh, he did handle it was a penalty kick. And he, 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 I'm having a par- parallel like like door universe moment here. Eh? I'm wondering what would have happened if, if we would have got a penalty kick to score an away goal, which no longer exists in the, in the San Siro that night. Kaka ended up scoring one of the best goals I've ever seen scored against Celtic that night when he drives to the halfway line. It was like he was almost floating, Paul. And he's one of these players that is all that he's almost forgotten about when we talk about greats of the modern era, era I think. Mm, he is. Uh, I was just thinking that because I remember um, he appeared on the, the front page of Esquire magazine or something like that. And I'm looking at him thinking, the first thing I thought about was that goal you've just described there. But it is interesting because as soon as you start talking about him, I'm looking at whatever happened to Kaka. Um, and after that game, obviously, he was at Milan for many years uh, later, moves over to America. But yeah, we talk about some of the greats that, that come through uh, and you know, play at Celtic Park and we've seen many, many greats and I know that, that Kaka's up there. Uh, but although Maldini maybe handled that ball, he was one of the greatest footballers of oh. all time. He would he would make it into like, you know, all time great elevens, you know, at, at left back, obviously with Danny McGrain at right back. But Maldini uh, for me was one of the greatest players that ever played at Celtic Park. And I think he spoke fondly about the Celtic support as well. Um, after his appearances there, um, I, I'm sure you'll come on to this. But when you compare like for like um, the lineups, Kevin, it's quite frightening that we went through to extra time and only lost the game to an unbelievable goal. Because you know, on paper, that should have happened. Definitely. I mean, I, I, I always wanted to visit the San Siro. I'm a child of Italia '90, and when this opportunity came, it was the greatest draw I could ever have got the chance to go to Milan and the, the, the chance to actually go and see this stadium that I had watched virtually nearly every week on Channel 4 with James Richardson and stuff like that and to go there with the Celtic support and for the Celtic team to put up such a show on the, one of the biggest stages in club football was absolutely unbelievable and I remember when Kaka scored the noise the AC Milan fans made it wasn't like a roar in Scotland there's a diff- there, there's a different like sonicness to roars in European football, and the the roar that the Milan's the, the Milan fans made was like a, it started off quietly. It was like a jet engine taking off. It was like a wave. It didn't. It there wasn't that complete and utter burst of like chaos and emotion right away. It was almost as if it built and it just hung in the air all around that stadium. It was beautiful. Utterly beautiful, mind you. I would, I would have wanted an equaliser to get through, but that wasn't like. That Who would have taken the penalty, Kev? Who would have taken it? Hey, let's have a look. Mm, big Hesselink's on the park, so uh, so I would probably have seen Big Hesselink. The Celtic team that night. Remember, this is the last sixteen of mm. the Champions League, mm. and, and we play the, Celt- the we play the team that goes on to win it. No, they don't. They and, beat by and, Liverpool. And right. they, they won it. They won it that season. Oh, yes. they won it against they, Liverpool. They, yeah, they won it against Liverpool that season. Mm-hmm. The, the Celtic team that night is Boric, Telfer, Stephen McManus, Darno D, Lee Naylor, Nakamura, who was replaced by Kenny Muller in extra time, Neil Lennon, Evander Snow, who was replaced by Craig Beatty in extra time. I played Aiden with him. Mag- <laughs> 
Aidan Magide, Yeri Yarasik, who was replaced by Thomas Graverson in 62 minutes, and Jan Venegur of Hesselink. The unused subs were uh, Scott Brown, Mark Brown, Mark Wilson. Was it was it was it Mark Brown? Mark Brown, aye, the goalie. The goalie. Aye, because Brown never played well any mind. It's Scott Brown. Ah, right, right, I thought, right. Mark Wilson, Kennedy. John, would that would have been John? Aye, that would have been John Kennedy, aye. I thought he would, he would have been retired by that point. And, and, oh, anyway, and Derek Riordan. That, 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 that's the four subs that night, eh? That is like... How did that team ever get to the last 16 of the Champions League? And how did that team ever get to the last 16 of the Champions League and compete yeah. for 180 minutes, well, it'll be longer than that, against AC Milan? You look at it, you know, you compare and contrast Seedorf, Kaka, Inzaghi, uh, Ambrosini, Pirlo, Gattuso, Maldini. I mean, you're up against the greats of European football over that period, Kev. But I think, in answer to your question, how do you compete? You compete because you actually do have a game plan. You've got the, you've, you've got uh, a unit. Um, you've got a, a certain style of play as well. But that that belief that I felt that, that Gordon Strachan brought into the side, um, you know, done us wonders as well. And none more so in, in a tie like that where you look at the, the team on paper, no chance. But you don't don't win a game of football on paper. And I think that when we look at, I'm I'm still calling the league championship uh, winning season this season. But if you look at last season, um, the players that we had, you know, compared to the results that we had, um, didn't add up. But that's football. If you don't apply yourself, if you don't have that structure and you don't have the belief and the attitude and the culture, then you won't win football games. I think uh, Strachan had it in spades. A lot of the time, I guess it's only by hindsight, you know, we're looking back and we're being appreciative of, of Gordon Strachan now. Uh, but by the way, I enjoyed it at the time. And I, and I also would like to point out, I know O'Day played in this game. Um, I'm thinking Caldwell must have been injured. But uh, that partnership between Caldwell and McManus, uh, I thought was was massive, a massive part of Gordon Strachan's success at Celtic. Two what what would I describe them as unfancied or unfashionable players, Kev? But as a partnership, they had a brilliant understanding at Celtic, right? And I think that Tony Mowbray, one of many mistakes that he made, was he dismantled it. Because mm-hmm. when Mowbray takes over at Celtic, he's got the Celtic captain playing centre-half alongside Scotland's play- player of the year in Gary Caldwell. And he dismantles it. And I just don't think that Mowbray ever recovered for that. No, I don't think he did. And, and even when you have a look at this night, eh, you've got McManus and Darren O'Day as the two centre-halves, two products of your youth academy. Yeah. <laughs> in, the last 16 of the champ- in the last 16 of the Champions League. And it's just amazing when you look at that squad. And I, I'm going to bring up uh, this comment by AJSC Technology. Stratton packed his teams with experience, hard as nails, footballers with a dash of quality added. It was a good formula, but why do I not remember it fondly? There's a lot of people like that, Paul. There is a lot of people that don't yeah. look. I look back on Stratton's first 18 months fondly with Nakamura and Hesselink and stuff like that. And I, I look at this and go, that, that was great. That was absolutely magnificent. That was the best of times at getting to that stage in European football. But when you, when by the time you get to his fourth season, and 
that game against Hibs at Easter Road when we draw nothing each, if we won the game, we'd actually go into the final league game of the season with it. I think he still would have been top of the league by a point. I'm not 100% sure. And he's actually using Lee Naylor to bomb long throw-ins into the box as a tactic mm. to try and get a goal after 83 minutes. It's just utterly depressing. But when you look back on this campaign, fantastic campaign, great memories as a Celtic fan. I think it comes down to one thing, and it's style. I just think it's style. And I think that if you watch a football team that play a certain way that isn't entertaining, Kev, um, and that happens over a period of time, then you don't demand a certain style of play. You don't demand that fast, inventive, attractive football. You you don't, or uh, as Tony Haggerty calls it, you know, the, the, the free-flowing, never-boring um, and everything else. I forget. Um, never-boring, free-scoring, rip-roaring uh, Celtic. Uh, and that's what you start to... That's what you start to expect as a Celtic fan. That is what this Celtic way is, isn't it? It's the Celtic way. Um, partly partly uh, the Celtic way of playing, the Celtic way of conducting yourself as a fan when you're uh, abroad and, and watching Celtic in Europe. There's a certain like standard, Kev, and style. And I think that that is what was missing. So you had the team, you had the ethic, you had the team ethic, you had the hard work, and they were fit as a fiddle. Many of the players said they were never fitter than under Gordon Strachan. And you had the results, as the two uh, last 16 campaigns show under Gordon Strachan. But I think that one wee bit that's missing um, that came up there, it's just the style. You don't look back fondly because it wasn't the free-flowing football that we demand as Celtic fans. No, no, and this is where Foster Coglu comes in, eh? We would rather have success in Europe doing it the Celtic way. And well, that's a great debate. That's a It's a, a, a massive debate. And I think next season in Europe, we we we, we could be in for a, an absolutely roller coaster ride. That night in the San Siro, just to take it take it back to the San Siro, I met Kevin McCluskey outside. I was going to ask. I was going to I, ask. This, 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 was the, other day. this was the night I met Kevin McCluskey. We had went on the same flight. Uh, 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 for the same area and that, eh? and he was lost. He was lost outside the stadium. He didn't ken where he was, and uh, and he phoned me, and he says, "Where are you?" I says, "I'm standing looking at a big Borat sign," and he went, "I'm standing underneath this Borat sign." I think if you had me a go at me that night, there's a good chance that Kevin McCluskey would still be wandering about my land anew. Is that uh, why? Is that why he's in Hungary? Was he just <laughs> left behind on an away day? <laughs> Maybe it is, I'm not 100% sure eh? uh, Neil Doran Paul says Celtic 14 away games against Portuguese 2 wins, 2 draws and 10 losses But he did come in earlier on to say that out of the 14 home games we've won 10 or maybe more. So, so, so that kind of backs up your I, I microcosm. Or, yeah, I, absolutely. Yeah. So I have been backed up there, which is not too bad. But as I, as I showed, as I showed with the clips at the beginning of the show, of course you get it wrong. You, you, we speak about every nuance is Celtic from marketing campaigns to new signings to why we didn't win a league and, and all sorts and right up to the uh, boardroom battles. And you're never going to get it right every time. But what you do is you call it at that particular moment in time and I think you made a good point about Brian's comments in relation to Ange Postacoglu somehow I don't know how he'd done it but it, it's almost as if he was able to remove the emotion away from where we were at that point having just been knocked back effectively by Eddie Howe 
and he was looking forward to Ange. And by the way, big shout out to Brian Degden, and uh, we'll see him back on here and we can give him the kudos and all that kind of stuff and all the plaudits. Uh, but in the meantime, Kev, I'll, I'll be uh, sitting in his chair, keeping it warm for him. Definitely, I Brian got that spot on, eh? Really did get that spot. And I'm trying to have a look to see that that for that quote be uh, that start, but I can't actually see it. A wee quiz question for John Paul. Am I right in saying that King Henrik and Virgil van Dijk are the only players to left as they went on to win the Champions League? No, if you're old money, Kenny Dalglish, yeah, has to has to come into it. But Champions League, probably. That's a good question. Uh, the I first thing that came so. to my mind was was Kenny because obviously same competition, different name. Um, yeah, I think you're probably right. I mean, I don't think you can put Andy Robertson in there because he was a youth player. He never played for Celtic, did he? He never played senior. No. no. Um, but yeah, I, I reckon that that would be the case. Is, is Virgil van Dijk up there with Maldini? I would, I would say no, based on Kev longevity. Now, what I mean by that is that van Dijk, I think it would be argued, and let's take our Celtic and Scottish um, kind of sensibilities away from the table for the moment. Van Dijk hasn't played top level football for anywhere near as long as Maldini did. So that 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 would be my argument. I just don't. Th- I think it comes to longevity. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of Liverpool fans would now say that he's the best defender ever to have played the game. But I'm a bit like you, Maldini. And as you say, it's time. Eh? He done it over a period of fifteen to twenty years. So mm-hmm. you've probably got mm-hmm. to say Mal- Maldini. But Big Virgil is a phenomenal modern day defender. And let's not defend- compare him to. Let's not compare him to a vehicle. No, he's a perfect modern day defender. It's what you're looking for for a centre half, and it's what Celtic should be looking for this summer. And what I might do uh, the next time that we are we're on, I might pull up the uh, interview that we did ages ago with Ronnie Dyla. Remember, he moved away. Yes, he was back uh, in Norway, and he kindly agreed to an interview, and he spoke about Van Dyke at that time because we had spoken to Neil Lennon about Van Dyke. Then we spoke to Ronnie Dyla about him and he said he was miles away from being the finished article at Celtic because of his lifestyle, remember? Um, So I think that that Van Dyke has developed into this absolutely, you know, modern day phenomenon as a defender, like you see, he's got all the attributes, but it took him a while to get there. It took him a while to get there. And I think, uh, you know, Maldini broke into the Milan side, I think as a 17-year-old, he was bossing it soon after. There's an incredible start that, you know, the games that Maldini and Baresi played together, uh, the goals conceded is, is shockingly low. Um, mm-hmm. If they were in the same team, you you know. And that was playing through a period in Italian football, which I'm not going to say it was the finest, Kev, because I'm not an aficionado in Italian football. But in the modern day, it certainly was a high, high standard of football. You were playing against the world's best. Everybody was going to Italy at that point. You know, Maradona's playing for Napoli. Um, and, you know, the players that even y- you think about in Italian football jerseys like um, Baggio playing for, for Juve. Um, and the reason I say that is when I spoke to Anoni, he said, you know, you were up against a world-class player every single week when you played in Italian football um, to the point where when it comes to Celtic and he's playing against Brian Loudrop, he says it was easy. <laughs> I love that. I, I, I do love that. that he actually says playing, 
the Dutch players going to uh, that's the three Dutch players I'm thinking about as well going to Milan all the top players were playing in Italy and Maldini was bossing it as a young player Definitely, the, the Sierra has lost that. I mean, for me, watched it during the nineties. It was the best league in the world. It was the best league well. in the world. The jerseys I, and everything. I, I, it had everything. It had the, the ultra culture. You see, it had the jerseys. It had had the biggest players in that end, and it was just a absolute. It was actually a pleasure. I, I, I think Van Dyke. I, I don't know, be Van Dyke. He's playing me probably the best team in Europe, but. Man City and Liverpool are that far ahead of anybody else. It's, it's he's part of that. He's part of that culture. It's difficult, but I'm going for Maldini. I really am going for Maldini because I think he maybe played at a time where the talent in football was more spread over, and he'd done it for so long. Mm, yeah, that's, that's my without a doubt. And it comes from a long line, uh, doesn't his son play? His dad played. Um, and he, even looking at him, and, and he played into his 40s, Kev. So that's another thing, you know, he kept that going at a very high standard and he played right into his, into his 40s as well. The guy was an absolute machine. And it's great when people like that speak so fondly about Celtic as well. Kev, we'd done what we used to do back in the day when it was just you and I on the, the podcast most nights and that was just kind of ramble on. But you know what, that's what it's all about. Um, we can talk about a bit of football, a bit of music, a bit of... Italian football, whatever it might be that comes to the conversation, but I've enjoyed a wee walk down memory lane 2006-07 was not a bad campaign at all, was it? It was a great European campaign uh, and a magnificent season because uh, we ended up winning the league again that season in that cracking away kit with Nakamura scoring that free kick at rugby park. Yeah, and he takes it off, he's wearing a wee vest underneath it yes. um, and then of course the Scottish Cup where we we beat Dunfermline uh, and it was a strange occasion because Perry Doombe uh, scores the winner and um, the only Celtic player ever to have two uh, hyphens in his name there's a wee bit of trivia for you but he doesn't speak well of Gordon Strachan you reckon no. Strachan ruined his career? He, do, he does that but I reckon a lack of talent ruined that boy's career no Gordon Strachan yeah, good shout. Listen, we will be going through uh, the last 30 years in Europe because we're looking ahead to our European endeavours next term. And I don't think I had the time to ask you this last night, Kev, but what do you see as progress next season in Europe? Uh, I, wa- I want to see us competing in Europe and hopefully having European football after Christmas. It was one of the questions that you were going to ask last night. It says, it's been five years of Axon. Where do you see Celtic in five years' time? And I'm going to actually put that out there and you can cut this if you want. I want at least three European quarterfinals in the next five years. Mate, Ian Bank here doesn't listen to this show, I'm sure, but if he did, he's just fallen off his chair. But I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. And that's what I keep saying, you know. He can no longer, as the chairman of this football club, and I don't know how long he's going to be the chairman, he can no longer sit and say at an AGM, we can't compete in Europe. That argument no longer exists. Um, And you've got to aim high. You've got to aim high, Kevin. I think that when you've got uh, a manager like Ange and you hope that the recruitment continues in the way that it has done in terms of the successes, I don't think we're going to get, and I'm not going to say luck, I don't think we're going to get as many four and five, you know, four and five players at under two million quid. I don't think that's going to happen very often. 
no. that, that's that's the bit that that's might been it's maybe been fortunate in that respect. Um, but we have the money anyway to do that. I mean, that was a massive rebuild, and we were we were, we were working in markets, which again I think will be utilised, but the prices might start go up going up, and that might be an issue. Um, however, yeah, three quarter finals in the next five years. Listen, Kev, I'll take that every day of the week. Thanks everybody for joining us. Um, I would suggest that you go. Um, and watch something tonight, uh, like the Charlatans, maybe in Glasgow. They're playing tonight, Kev. They are playing tonight, yes. I was offered a ticket from somebody who had somewhere else to be, but unfortunately I couldn't make it. Yeah, so. that's what I would do. Enjoy yourself. Um, and thanks, everybody, for getting involved and supporting us over the last five years. I think this is officially episode 1001, Kev. Here's to the next yes. 1000. Um, we're going nowhere. But thank you all for joining us. And thank you once again, Kevin Graham, for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas visit cox.com internet for details it's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. The best thing for us to do is to build a relationship with our consumers. And if those consumers have a relationship with the DJs that are on air, then we want to build on that. House of the Dragon, which was one of our most successful, if not the most successful campaign we've ever done for a show, audio was a core part of that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of.
Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. At Discount Tire, we know your time is valuable. Get 30% shorter average wait time when you buy and book online. Did you know Discount Tire now sells wiper blades? Check out our current deals at DiscountTire.com or stop in and talk to an associate today. Discount Tire. Let's get you taken care of. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chabacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chabacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply